The following is a hoop ball presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Greetings and salutations, Earthlings. It's Fantasy NBA Today. It's Thursday morning, January the 28th. We rumble along most of the way through week five of the NBA season. Can you believe that? I'll tell you what. Time zooms once the season is gone. There's a team in the NBA that's played 20 ball games already. 20! By the way, there's your trivia question for the morning. If you can quickly name which team has played 20 games, you win my respect, which I know is something you've desperately all been seeking. That's over a quarter of the season done for that particular team. There are some other ones that, due to cancellations, like the Grizzlies have only played 13, which, by the way, and then we'll welcome you all to the show, There is a very real case to be made for trading Kevin Durant for someone on a team that had a bunch of postponements. Like the Celtics are at 17 games. They lost a few. The Wizards are at 14 games. If you could go get Bradley Beal, I would significantly overpay for him right now. Like the Sixers have played 19 games. By the way, the answer is the Brooklyn Nets. That's why I was talking about Kevin Durant. The Nets have played 20 games. Uh, Kyrie sat out a bunch. Harden jumped from a team that had played fewer than that. Rockets are only at 16 games right now, so he actually lost a few games in that trade. Nets have played 20. So they only have 52 games left in their season. You're looking at some of these other teams, and I get it. There's some eight teams out there, so it's not quite that same big jump. But if you have a first-rounder, say on a team that's played 17 games in your in your crosshairs, I should say. Not, not one on your team. If there's one you can go locate, I would see if you can get him for Kevin Durant. Maybe even a second rounder. What's KD's per game rank so far? I think he's number four, right? He's been really good. Top five. So, you know, don't do anything insane because you're still talking about three games there. But if you can find someone... Let's say the top 10, like maybe Damian Lillard is an interesting one. You think you could get Dame for Kevin Durant? Blazers have only played 16 games. You could grab a bonus four games there. Something to think about. I don't know that I would put it in stone right now because uh, there's a lot of uncertainty. It seems like Katie actually wants to play in back-to-back, so that's uh, now on the table. They're logging ridiculous minutes. Durant playing 37 minutes a game is not a recipe for victory here. Kyrie Irving is at 36 minutes per game. They've had some overtimes mixed in, but uh, those numbers are coming down, by the way. You know what I bet you could do? I wonder if you could pull this off. Do you think you could sell Kevin Durant for Anthony Davis? AD's played 17 games. What are the Lakers at? Lakers are at 19. Eh, all right, never mind. Screw that. It was not my intention, by the way, to talk about trading away members of the Brooklyn Nets when the show started, but I was going to talk about how deep we are into the season, and I realized there are teams out there, Beal in particular, there, there's your, that's your guy. If you can go get Bradley Beal for someone on the Brooklyn Nets, or even Durant plus someone else, not, not anyone good, but you should be able to pull that off. KD number four, Beal number eight. You're technically trading down. Maybe somebody doesn't catch your little, your little move there. And yeah, Beal might sit out some games down the end, but so so could KD. And you could potentially gain six games from a first-rounder. That's, that's a wild number. And they're not separated by much overall right now. They really are not. It's not the trade down. If you were trading Kevin Durant, you were going for like a Zach Levine or some mid-second rounder at this point. Zach Levine, by the way, 17 games. At this point in the season, Bulls have played 17 games. So there's another interesting target. If you have a Brooklyn net, just start keeping an eye on these things, particularly the Wizards and the Grizzlies, because they've had a week and a half wiped out for those two teams. Celtics only lost, I think, what, two? They have two postponed. I've lost track of how many games individual teams have had postponed. But 
Certainly the, the most impacted are the Wizards and the Grizz. Grizz are at 13 games. Wizards are at 14. Grizzlies still haven't been able to get back on the court. Problem, of course, on the Grizzlies side is that, you know, John Morant is, what do we think? I don't know. Uh, I'm, again, I'm not as high on him as, as some others. He's number 50 right now. I think he falls from that point, shooting 53%. That probably comes down a little bit. So I don't know that there's anyone in the Grizzlies that you could really try to hammer blast here, but you could try. Morant's going to be overvalued. Maybe you could scoop up a Valanchunas, who's number 76 right now, and he's the one likely with COVID on that team. Uh, if you could get him for someone ranked near him and understanding that their games are going to get rescheduled, they sort of have to be, then you do it. See if you can go get these guys. I'm sure they're the people that have them on their team are getting really frustrated with it. So target some Wiz. Target some Grizz. Wiz and Grizz. Hello, name of the podcast. Fantasy NBA Today, colon, Wiz and Grizz. Trade targets. This, by the way, hello. Hi, it's I'm Dan Bespris, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a hoop ball presentation. Hoop-ball.com, the website, at Hoop Ball Fantasy on Twitter. Thank you to everybody that has been listening to me and signing up for Twitter and following me and Hoop Ball. Do continue to do it. I've had a lot of you actually tweet at me from the what we've been talking about on the pod, basically saying, yes, I have to be following particular people on Twitter. It's how I stay so far ahead. That's really the point of this whole week on the podcast. I'm pushing you guys to step your game up. You're already listening to this pod, so you're doing so much to ready yourself for the fantasy NBA regular season, but you're still waiting for a podcast. So if there's some of you out there listening that are not on Twitter, don't follow miscellaneous celebrities and politicians and all that stuff. You'll get sucked into a rabbit hole of disarray. Just follow basketball people. Follow Hoopball Fantasy. You get your your news feed. Follow me, because I'll get you other stuff. You can interact with me every once in a while. I'd try to have office hours. I had some yesterday where I was taking questions on Twitter. And then, obviously, a lot of other people. Look at the list of people I'm following. But I don't want to get too far into that. We talked about it earlier this week. Let's get into a very large... Wednesday recap. There's a lot of things happened yesterday. 12 game slate, so we're going to have to move through it at a reasonable clip. And we'll try to zip through some of the games where there wasn't really uh, a ton of fantasy stuff going on. Which, you know, better or worse, not many of them. There was stuff in almost every ball game, but here we go. Indiana at Charlotte. Uh, no massive surprises here other than Jeremy Lamb's minutes kind of trending back down in this ball game. He seemingly wasn't really feeling it. And at the same time, Doug McDermott got hot. He had 28 points. McDermott took 22 damn shots in this ballgame. That's not going to be the norm. And Lamb is the guy. Don't freak out. And Justin Holiday was hot too. So you sort of had kind of a double whammy there, wedging Lamb to the periphery, as he does still kind of continue to get his conditioning up. Freak out not, my friends. Freak out not. Miles Turner blocked another five shots. What a ridiculous an incredible fantasy season he's putting together so far. He's averaging 4.1 blocks per game. Now he's at 16 games he's done that. That is just... That's insane, man. Like, if you're in a Roto League, and those of you listening to this, I'm guessing you guys are likely in one of them, since that's all I talk about is Roto Leagues. Um, a team leading your Roto League right now in blocks is probably somewhere in, like, the 150 to 160 range. Maybe, if that, Miles Turner by himself is in the 60s. That's nuts. Like, Miles Turner and a bunch of guys that don't even think about blocking shots would have you middle of the pack. That's, that's how incredible he's been in one statistical category. There is no one in the NBA that is having the impact in a single category that Miles Turner is having in blocks this year. And it's not even remotely close. Any statistical category. I don't care which one you pick. Even if you want to go negatives on stuff, it probably, I don't think anybody gets close. Free throw, who's having the best free throw percent impact? Damian Lillard. About 3.2. That's the, uh, the, the P value there. That's how important he's been compared to the, the uh, average. 
Free field goal percent, Zion is actually the most impressive in the league right now. 2.6. Rashawn Holmes, number two in that department, by the way. Steals. Who's having the biggest steals impact? Larry Nance Jr. at 2.3 steals a game. He's at three and change. Standard deviations there. Jimmy Butler before he went down. Butler's played in six games so far this year. What a crushing blow that's been. All these are very good numbers. Make no mistake, James Harden, 11 assists a game. That's almost four standard deviations. That's a big deal. Assists are down this year. Very harder category to find. Rebounds. Andre Drummond. He's at 15 rebounds a game, and he's at three and a half standard deviations. So big deal. Yeah, I mean, he's been a very big, a powerful weapon against the norm, but not close. Three-pointers. C.J. McCollum's at 4.8. That's, again, just over three. And scoring. Bradley Beal. Same deal. What about blocks? Miles Turner, 4.1 blocks per game. Six. He is basically six times the average. He takes care of six roster slots by himself in block shots. You're starting 10 guys. Miles Turner, you can get zero out of five other dudes and still be average. That's amazing. There's, there's, there's legitimately no one close. What a year. I said I wasn't going to get sidetracked. I got sidetracked. I lied to you guys. Cody Zeller is the interesting story on the Charlotte side. He played 30 minutes in yesterday's game, had 10 points, 14 boards, 4 assists, and a steal. But I will offer you this tempering of expectations. Go look at Cody Zeller's game by game from the last five years in a row and tell me how many times he's played 30 minutes repeatedly. The answer is sometimes he'll do it for like two games in a row and then away he goes. They play Indiana again tomorrow. He'll probably see decent minutes in that ball game as well because Demonis Sabonis and Miles Turner are huge. Then they'll play Milwaukee, and I have no idea what his role is going to be. And then they'll play Miami, and I don't know. And then Philly, he'll probably play a lot because Joel Embiid is out there. But I would bet most of what I own, not all of it because crazier things have happened, that Cody Zeller will settle back into what he's done the last Three years in a row, which is roughly 23 to 25 minutes per game. And that is very late round center value because he's not a good free throw shooter. Low 70s in his career uh, is right on that mark so far this season. Good field goal percent guy. He'll be probably around 51, 52%. Doesn't shoot the three ball. So he's not going to get you anything there. You know, kind of interesting note. He really doesn't do much defensively. It feels like he does. But he's actually been a better steals guy than block guy throughout his career. He averaged 1.4 combined steals and blocks in about 23 minutes per game in his career. And that's probably your target point for this year. Rebounding, it's fine. Nothing nothing to write home about. He's a 14-teamer, I would venture to say. So pick him up in 14-teamers. Streamer type in 12-teamers. He's going to go onto a bunch of rosters after this ballgame. And he'll be back on the waiver wire by middle of next week. At the latest. LaMelo Ball is in a buy-low window right now. He's he's fallen way off his peak. He was, I think, in the 70s at his best, and now he's at 102, right? Yeah, so he's petered out a little bit. Uh, 102, I don't think whoever has him is going to sell, but you should, you should poke and prod a little bit. See if you've got some other guy, like, in the 90s that you could float out there. Who's in the 90s right now that we could do? Let's do this live on air. Who's in the 90s? Um, Otto Porter? I don't think that would be enough. Justin Holiday, That probably wouldn't be enough. Keldon Johnson's at 85. That's an interesting one. I might offer Keldon Johnson for LaMelo Ball. See what happens. See what happens. There's just... The upside with Ball is so much higher than that of, of Johnson, who's not going to hit a ton of threes. He's basically doing what he's doing right now. And... We haven't seen if either one of these guys is going to hit any kind of wall this year. But for LaMelo, like the field goal percent at 40 and a half could go up. I don't know that it will this year. Free throw percent at 70. Legitimately don't know where that thing is headed. But there's... We saw it. I mean, when he got warm and he was triple-doubling, the upside is pretty impressive. I would do it. That's an interesting one. See if you can get him for Joe Harris... Uh, I think I'd see if I could get him for the just-off-the-bench Jeremy Lamb is an offer to throw out there. What about somebody, Dante DiVincenzo? Yeah, I'd flip him for LaMelo if I could. 
Devontae Graham as teammate? Yeah, I probably would do that too, although with Graham, he's at 34% field goal, so that probably trends back up a little bit. That Both of those guys are kind of a buy low at the moment. So give it some thought. I wouldn't throw anybody in there that is on the way up, like a DeLon Wright who's just been insanely good lately. Similar upside, actually, to a guy like LaMelo Ball. Their, their fantasy games are not all that different right now. Uh, Alec Burks, I think you could possibly flip him for, for a ball. Those are, the, those are the names I'm seeing around him as possible matches. P.J. Washington looked okay, 18-8-4, pretty good ball game. No defensive stats, but I think we could forgive him that. Uh, no one really had any against Indiana in this ballgame. The Pacers were played a pretty clean ballgame, but both teams did, really. Both teams pretty, played a pretty clean game. And here we are. Dan said he wasn't going to focus on the first one, and I uh, focused on the first one. By the way, in the rematch tomorrow, I'm loving Charlotte. Horn shot 41% and very nearly came back to win this ballgame. Like, they were, they were very much in it, and the Pacers... We're knocking down everything. Brogdon was great. Sabonis was great. Holiday was great. McDermott was great. They got stuff from everybody, and Charlotte got stuff from nobody. No one on the Hornets played well in that game yesterday, and they only lost by 10. What was the line on that game? Indy by three? Yeah, give me the, give me the Hornets tomorrow. I already locked that one in. Uh, Detroit at Cleveland. This one got away from Detroit in the early parts of the fourth quarter. Mason Plumley. Kind of trending back in the right direction at his best ball game in a while, but eight turnovers that kind of also cost Detroit the ball game. He'll play a lot when they go up against guys like Andre Drummond, who can't shoot anymore. I don't know what the hell happened to Drummond there. Like, we knew he could n- never make a free throw, but now his field goal percent is terrible. But he's doing other stuff, and when he's playing well, that means Jared Allen is going to be hard-pressed for minutes. They are in a strict center timeshare right now. Drummond was 28 minutes, one second Jared Allen, 19 minutes, 59 seconds. Not one moment was spent by anyone else at center on the floor than those two guys. This, by the way, is without Larry Nance, without Kevin Love for this ballgame. Detroit side, there isn't a whole lot to take home. I think Derrick Rose is likely to drop since they're keeping his minutes in strict check right now. He'll have some... He'll have a game every once in a while where he pops off and they let him roll for 24, 25 minutes, but it's just not worth it. At the moment, Detroit... Grant, Ellington, and Wright, those are your guys. And even Plumlee has trended down so hard lately that this one ball game doesn't really get him back in my good graces. He's number 143 on the year now. It's not entirely clear why. Like, his steals are still okay. His rebounds, his assists are still okay. His turnovers are way too high for what he is. Um, free throw percent we knew wasn't going to be good. I think if Plumlee does this... All year, he'll probably float back up into that 120 range as some sort of uh, lower, like Dylan Windler. He's ranked ahead of him, but you know that's a that's a goofy stat situation where the small sample size guys will probably fall behind Plumley, and he'll move up just by being this. But at the same time, he's not he's not really a nine cat, twelve team guy right now. So I'm actually okay with moving on there, and I know someone will probably kill me for that take, but he hasn't been good, really, since the first two weeks. Last three weeks, he's been bad. Cleveland's side is one we were watching somewhat closely yesterday to see if we could learn anything, and the answer was, nah, not really. Isaac Okoro, they love his defense, so he's playing big minutes right now, but when Nance and Love come back, I have to think that he's a guy who loses out. Jetty Osmond likely loses out as well. Torian Prince has been amazing, so far in Cleveland, played 30 very productive minutes off the bench, but I don't know that he keeps it up when they start to get healthy either. Of all of these guys that we're watching on Cleveland right now, the one that isn't on that many rosters, that has a fantasy profile, we've seen him do it, it's been a couple years, but we've seen him do it, is Prince. So I don't know, if Nance comes back, where do his minutes come from? Where? Really? Like, he'll, he'll take a few from Osman. He'll take a few from Windler. He'll take a, uh, a handful from Okoro, I would think. And then when Love comes back, why does that fit together? I think whoever you grab, if anyone on this team, well, Garland is starting, and he'll be, he's a must-start guy now that his minutes are back up. Sexton, same story. Drummond, same story. Nance, when he comes back, same story. 
think you do have to start Jared Allen because it seems like that's a timeshare and he can get it done really in 22, 23 minutes of ball game. So those guys are all in. But if you go Prince, Okoro, any of these other non-household name guys, you you probably have to assume they're going to disappear when the Cavs get healthy. So I'm I'm most likely leaving that nonsense alone. For now, at least. Sacramento got a big one out of Buddy Heald. Good to see him warm back up. Teams always play well on that first game of a long road trip. Sacramento looked good in this one. Shot 49%. Orlando, 42%. They just, they didn't have it. And you could say the Kings were playing great defense. I might argue that Orlando just missed a bunch of shots. Good to see Terrence Ross play better. 16 points, 3 steals, 2 blocks, 2 three-pointers. Finally had a good one. They usually do against the Kings. Kem Birch came off the bench for 14 rebounds. He's actually kind of been a semi-reliable late-round guy to this point. He's number 160, not a nine, not a 12-teamer, but he's he's not that far away, and you could definitely stream him if you needed rebounds. Otherwise, it's the usual fare with this team. Cole Anthony is going to be bouncing between good games and bad ones. It'll level off to probably not a must-start guy. Uh, but one you can trot out there in sort of traditional unlimited games type of formats. Then Vooch, Fournier, generally Aaron Gordon, who had a horrible ball game here, but it'll be better next time out. And uh, sometimes Terrence Ross, once he gets going here, and I'll probably say this is the start of something okay, and I'll dump him back in. On the Sacramento side, Marvin Bagley played great, couldn't make a free throw, played great 16-12 with a steal, a three-pointer, and only got 22 minutes. Tyrese Halliburton soaked up most of the, whatever you want to call it, sort of the extra minutes on this team as the uh, Kings went a little bit smaller. Harrison Barnes sliding up to the four, and uh, Bagley was the odd man out. But whatever, I guess it worked for him. So Bagley remains a hold. He's showing signs of life. The free throw percent here was bone and soul crushing. And... uh, Yeah, you sort of move along. No real ads or drops in that one. Milwaukee, Toronto, no fantasy impact at all in this game. None. Zippo. Zilch. Nothing. On either side. We know what to expect from Toronto. By the way, if you're worried about Chris Boucher, I wouldn't be. You know, you knew there were going to be some lulls as he, his, his role and usage ramped up this year. He'll be fine. Aaron Baines fouled out. They wanted his size out there to try to deal with Milwaukee, and, you know, it's useful for a little bit. But, you know, overall, Milwaukee can do this to some smaller big men in the NBA just get pushed around by Giannis. And then when anybody's out for Toronto, Norman Powell is going to get a whole bunch of stuff, and he did again in this one because OG Ananobi was out. Denver blew out a very tired Miami Heat team, and we once again did not get an answer to our question of can anyone else on Denver sustain value besides Michael Porter Jr., Nikola Jokic, and Jamal Murray. By the way, Jamal Murray is a barely at this point, but uh, Jamichael Green is making the best case for it. He had 15 and 10 in only 20 minutes. The guy you want to see succeed is Gary Harris because he played 35 damn minutes in this ballgame, but very few people in the NBA do less with more than Gary Harris, who's number 184 in 32 minutes per game, and his percentages aren't even bad. They're not good, but they're not bad. He just does nothing. He's out there for hours doing nothing, fantasy-wise. I know he's playing defense. I get it. I get it. There's more going on here, but still, super annoying. Meantime, uh, Barton looks to be potentially too old. He's cooked. Paul Millsap, he's cooked. And then Jamichael Green's the one we're also rooting for, but they're not giving him quite enough minutes to trust him long-term. On the Miami side, they're all just so damn tired There's nothing left. Like, no one can make a shot on the Heat anymore. They're so exhausted. Precious Achua saw extra playing time because everybody's so damn beat up on this team. Adebayo's tired. Olenek's tired. Robinson's tired. Avery Bradley came back, so he's not tired, but he's also not in condition. A lot of Miami Heat guys are going to get dropped because of this exhausting stretch for them. I bet they're going to be better tonight, oddly enough. Even on a back-to-back, there's just going to be something that, that kicks in. That last bit of energy, the tiny fire, whatever it might be. I am okay, by the way, with moving on from Kelly Olenek. I like that he's still starting, so if you can squat on him, I would do so, because I think once they get a little bit of a respite here, they can kind of catch their breath, then that's the type of thing that helps him, because we've seen him. He can't sustain energy for a full season, 
and but no one can on the team right now. Brooklyn-Atlanta went to overtime. Big games from the big three. Harden, huge game. Kyrie, KD, they all looked good. The center battle continues with no clear winner. Jeff Green got the extra minutes, but both guys actually had 11 and 7. Green hit a three ball. Jordan blocked three shots. So both guys still making a case. Joe Harris cooled off. Snapped a streak of three-pointers for Joe Harris. I think he had made a three ball in some 70-plus games in a row. He just, there was no usage for him here. And that's the fear. That's the fear with the big three. There will be games where they just do everything and nobody else gets to touch it. Oh, well. Atlanta side. Uh, Gallo played in a back-to-back. I mean, he didn't really do anything. He played 14 minutes at 11 points, which is nice. Uh, But good to see him playing in both halves. His minutes, I think, will continue to trend up here slowly. Cam Reddish came off the bench for 35 minutes in this game at 24 points, six boards, two steals, two three-pointers, four for four free throw shooting, which I know is one of his areas where he can excel. And I think you got to grab him if he was dumped because Atlanta's gone to a very short rotation here. And, you know, the one change, I think, at least from this group, Rajon Rondo, when he gets healthy, he'll see some time on the floor. And then as Gallo's minutes ramp up, you'll see a few of those come out of the DeAndre Hunter and John Collins buckets, even potentially Kevin Herter if they slide guys down. But again, you're really talking about kind of seven deep for the most part, significant minutes. Right now it's only six. The team's really only rolling six guys out there. They should all be on at least the fantasy radar. And I think with this team, they should all be on a fantasy roster. Lakers and Philly, Tobias Harris with a game winner. Danny Green had himself a little revenge game against the Lakers. Uh, Anthony Davis was out to lunch here. He had missed five of his free throws, just sort of wasn't really super engaged in the process. They still almost won it. That's how that's how good the Lakers are. Uh, but fantasy-wise, nothing. Nothing in this ballgame that... Uh, Makes me change anything. Boston finally had their whole team healthy, and wouldn't you know it, they had a letdown game. That's sort of what happens every time. They were not ready defensively with this unit. Daniel Tice started but only played 12 minutes. Tristan Thompson played 23 off the bench. Robert Williams played 13 productive minutes off the bench, and they are now all sharing a center position, and that sucks, but it's also kind of what we expected. So Boston might very well be on their way to being a Kemba smart Tatum, Brown, nothing else situation. If the Time Lord could somehow get up to about 16 minutes a game, I think we could trust him. 13, he was able to squeak by yesterday, but that's really not enough long-term. Spurs side, no real adjustments. LaMarcus Aldridge doesn't like rebounding anymore, but he actually played pretty well in this game. And then otherwise, it's the usual guys, DeJounte, Keldon, and DeMar. Oklahoma City came in, beat Phoenix, Thanks to Big Al, Horford back and looking great. 21 on 11. Guess he got his head on straight here. Uh, that's great to see. Shea looked awesome. 21, 7, and 8. Two steals, two blocks, two three-pointers. Didn't shoot the ball well, but did get himself a victory. Theo Maladon got the start for uh, Oklahoma City with George Hill dealing with a sprained thumb, and he spread the floor, which is pretty much what they wanted there. Lou Dort had a block and four three-pointers, and that's pretty much his whole line. And then Darius Baisley came in and, you know, wiped his butt all over your percentages, as per usual. Yeah, I mean, he's... I'll say it I'll say it a thousand times, I guess. I don't think he's going to be good this year. I think he's a year away, because he has to fix the percentages if he wants to get over the hump. Right now, he's, he's killing you. Alexei Pokachevsky... Had seven and four with a steal and three blocks. He looked really good. He's a dynasty guy. No question there. I guess there's a world where they turn him loose late in the year, but I don't think I could sit on him that long. He's he's really interesting, and, and uh, you've probably heard our buddy Jonas Nader talk about him at some length. He has a very intriguing fantasy stat set. Phoenix side was without Devin Booker, so uh, Mikel Bridges slid down. Everybody slid down, so Jay Crowder could get the start at power forward, and Crowder took 16 shots. That, unfortunately, isn't really a path to victory. They needed more DeAndre Ayton in this game, and he just 
somehow Al Horford was running circles around him. Atom had 14 rebounds, but he just was not at all involved offensively. And uh, Chris Paul decided to try to do it all himself, and he almost did. 32-5-5 for CP3. Good percentages. Both percentages looked good, and this, you know, one game for Chris Paul here jumped him a whole round of value. Went from 63 to 51 in one ball game. Cool. No adjustments here. Booker will be back, and things will go back to normal. Dallas lost in Utah. Utah was without Donovan Mitchell. I'm very upset with myself that I didn't bet the Jazz. This was your your trademark team picks up for their guy game. Same night, Dallas got a whole bunch of their dudes back from the COVID protocol. So you knew things were going to be disjointed and weird. Very annoyed with myself. Very annoyed that I didn't jump on that one. That was a that was a prototypical Utah bet, and I and I whiffed on it. I don't know why. Too many games, I guess. For Dallas, things to keep an eye on here, kind of how the minutes go for these these dudes coming back. Dorian Finney-Smith looked rusty. Three points, four boards, two assists. Do his minutes trend up back towards 30? Or do they have so many guys now that everybody's stuck in the 20s? Finney-Smith was actually pretty good before uh, COVID struck half the Mavericks. Dwight Powell back but played 13 minutes. Maxi Kleba was the one guy who wasn't back yet. Josh Richardson played 24 minutes in his return, and he was sort of out of sorts. So track them. Keep a very close watch on it. Tim Hardaway Jr. actually was still got his kind of same normal role, and I think that probably sticks. So the guys you're paying attention to are Josh Richardson, who really didn't even look that good before COVID, and then Dorian Finney-Smith, who likely got dropped everywhere. And this ball game is not going to be a one to get him picked back up. So I think you can probably just monitor that, especially with as many other guys that popped up yesterday. Joe Ingles filled in admirably for the absent Donovan Mitchell. He had 21-4-8. And, and he appears to be the big beneficiary here if Donovan has to miss any additional time, which he probably will this week. Gobert, monster game. Clarkson, monster game. Conley, another good one. Royce O'Neal was fine. Boyan Bogdanovich was the odd man out here, and he's just sort of not been good this year. You have to sit on him, but you don't have to enjoy it. Washington blown out by the Pelicans. Bradley Beal took 37 shots. He tried to keep him in it, but he needs help. And so far, that help has not been Russell Westbrook, although they're also missing Rui Hachimura and Davis Berton. So it's been a really tough stretch. Washington got crushed by COVID. They needed to try to limit that early, and they didn't. If you want it, your your shimmering example of what happens to a team when they don't, or when, I don't know if guys were messing with protocol or what, but, like, there was the Beal and Tatum thing, and then Washington lost all these games, and their players aren't healthy, and their conditioning isn't right. It, it's a mess right now in, in Wizards Town, and Beal is upset, but, I like, I don't know how you get upset with the team unless you feel like guys didn't follow procedure and that's how you ended up in this weird mess. In any event, you just have to wait this one out. There, there really isn't anybody worth streaming. Garrison Matthews had a decent line, but I'm not trusting him. I don't trust Robin Lopez. I don't trust Alex Len. Just, yeah, get me out of here. Beal or bust. Lonzo Ball turned his ankle before ha- right around halftime, or was it the first part of the third quarter? Doesn't matter. Regardless, he was actually having a really good ball game prior to the ankle sprain, so that stinks. He had nine, two, and four with six cash counters, and then missed the second half of the game. Basically, that's going to mean a lot of Nikhil Alexander Walker in the short term. He's a guy that I think everybody needs to have their eye on. He has an interesting fantasy game. He looked pretty good in this one. If Ball misses time, we've already seen what Walker can do when both Ball and Bledsoe were out. And it was, to be fair, a mixed bag. He's going to get picked up in a lot of places because we've also heard trade rumors swirling about this team. But, you know, the other thing, remember, he had that big ball game against the Clippers, 37 points, 8 rebounds, 1 assist. He had other games where the guys in front of him were not healthy, And the only thing that jumped out at me, at least, was the steal rate. Seems like his steal rate is pretty good. He's averaging one steal in 20 minutes a game this season. When he's played bigger minutes, he's generally been in the two steals per game range. And it's not going to hold at two. Uh, But if he does, like if one guy gets traded, if Lonzo gets traded and Walker moves into the starting lineup, that's probably not enough to get him to fantasy value. 
you know, 30 minutes a game, he was still only at like 9, 5, and 3 with one and change steals. It's close on the off chance that Lonzo and Bledsoe or Bledsoe and Redick and two guys get traded, then he probably clears the hurdle. But just remember, there's still a bunch of guys in front of him on this team, pecking order-wise. Zion and Ingram in particular soak up so much usage. But I do think that if two guys are are out, he's he becomes a must-own guy. People are going to pick him up here too early and probably end up kicking him back onto the waiver wire. But absolutely, positively, get him in your watch list sites as a possible grab soon. The way we get screwed on something like this is if, you know, Lonzo has to miss like a month and then Bledsoe gets traded next week. I just, these things, they they don't tend to happen as fast as we want them to. Think of it like a Christian Wood effect where, and and it's not even that because Wood's fantasy game was always so much more interesting than, than uh, Alexander Walker's fantasy game. But remember last year, it was like, should we stash Christian Wood? And people were saying yes in November and he got good in February. And then you get to celebrate for, unfortunately, one month because then the season got shut down. But, like, was that really worth it to just basically eliminate it? It was basically an injury stash for four, eh, three months. Can we do that? I just, I can't, guys. I can't do it. I get it. Maybe you have room on your team for it, but I need my roster slots. I can't afford to sit on a guy indefinitely. So I watch him closely. Minnesota uh, almost backdoored this one. They were uh, a three-pointer late away from backdooring this thing. I'm really surprised D'Angelo Russell missed both games in Golden State. I I misread it. I thought he was going to play. Nas Reed had a huge ball game, and uh, hopefully you, you know, if you caught lightning in a bottle, congratulations. Ed Davis got ejected, and so that forced Nas into extra center minutes. Um, Anthony Edwards, they kind of turned loose here because offensively, the Minnesota was just, they were awful. Who was it? I think it was Josh Okogie who had like three consecutive wide open three pointers and just not even close. Ricky Rubio was a mess. Malik Beasley was good enough. Thank goodness. By the way, if this is what we can get out of Anthony Edwards later on in the year, there's an interesting stash. Like, at some point this year, they're going to let him roll. I don't know when it's going to be. He's he's probably more owned than he should be because he's outside the top 300 so far this year. But he's a, you know, squad on him kind of guy as just going to probably see colossal volume the last month of the season. But we're still a long way away from that also. So keep him on your watch list as well. I don't think that this was any kind of corner-turning game for him. But if they're suddenly like, you know what, screw it. You go out there and take 15 shots a game. Well, then we have to readjust things. But I do still think they are going to try to make their little push when Cat and D'Lo come back. And no matter how horribly they've looked so far this year, we're still relatively early on. Long way to go, and there's a play-in tournament and all that stuff. And they can convince themselves that there's a shot there. Ricky Rubio, and he even came out and said that he has no game right now. Jared Vanderbilt, solid streamer here as long as Cat is out. 4-7-4-2-1. You'll absolutely take that. He didn't score much, but who cares because the other stuff was good. Damian Lee got hot for the Warriors. Steph Curry went cold for the Warriors. They still won by a dozen. That's how bad Minnesota is. I don't know about Draymond Green, guys. I don't know if he's going to be a fantasy value this year. I don't think you can part with him yet. James Wiseman finally had a big ball game. Hit a couple of three-pointers also. Three of them, in fact. Bumpy road, though. This will get him added to a bunch of rosters again, and then it'll probably turn a little sour. He was able to pick on a really bad Minnesota team in this ballgame. So I'm out on Rubio, certainly for now. Um, And then a lot of watch list guys off of yesterday's card. Hopefully that was somewhat illuminating. Big thank you, as always, to our buddies over at mybookie.ag. So many of you have joined up and begun playing with us at mybookie. Uh, yesterday, we had a big winner from Vince Miracle on our handicapping team. Vince went big on the Sixers and threw an extra unit and a half on the money line at plus 160, and that one cashed as well. He ended up winning four and a half units on that ball game, thanks to the big money line hit. Uh, so that was really cool, and hopefully you were on that one with us. Uh, Brew, I think, won a unit 
yesterday. Yeah, he had eight plays going. He ended up one unit up. I was down just about a half a unit. It was actually that uh, that Wolves bet that screwed me up. I thought D'Angelo was, was going to play. I didn't have a chance because that game started during family dinner over here. And uh, therein lies the rub, right? you you got to be able to monitor these things, and I wasn't. So, you know, demerits, a pox on my house for that one. Shouldn't have made that play without knowing whether or not D'Lo was in the ballgame. Foolish, foolish. Got too frisky. That's one where I wanted to make sure I was on it if D'Lo was in, and I sort of thought, all right, there's like a 70% chance he's playing, and then he didn't, and um, yeah, unnecessary risk. Anyway, all that to say, things are still good in Hoopball Wager Pass land. And I would say these are the two things you do. In whatever order you prefer, go to hoop-ball.com, click on the premium tab, choose Wager Pass, and get involved. It's 33 cents a day for the Wager Pass. And yesterday, on a big Wednesday card, you got, let's see, how many plays did you get yesterday? I had five, Troy had two. Brew had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I've lost track of it. That's 15. Eric had three. Devin had three. That's 21. Vince had two and change. So 23, call it 23 or 24 plays yesterday for 33 cents. That's what you're getting. Analysis on every single one of them. College basketball, NBA, baseball, hockey, football when we loop back around. We do it all at Hoopball now with a team of seven. A team of seven and growing. Thank you to those that have written in already. If you guys are big-time betters and you've done it by yourselves for a long time and you think, hey, you know what? I'd like to be part of an analyst team. This is your chance. Hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S, or email teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Teamhoopball at hoop-ball.com. Say, Dan, I want to be part of the sports, the hoopball gaming team. And for the rest of you guys, if you don't want to do that, get the wager pass for 33 cents a day over at hoop-ball.com under the premium tab. Then open up an account over at mybookie.ag with promo code HOOPBALL. Make that first deposit and then hit me up because I have a prize for you. If you open an account and make a deposit, I promise you I have a prize for you. I have an unlimited number of prizes for folks that make a deposit after opening their new account at mybookie.ag with promo code HOOPBALL. So that's, again, our that's our promo trifecta. Hit me up if you want to be part of the team. Sign up for an account at mybookie.ag with promo code HOOPBALL. Get the wager pass at hoop-ball.com. And there you go. Thursday. It's a short card tonight, but I like it. It's a fun one. It's a, we, it's a fun short card. Tuesday, we had a crummy short card. Today, we've got a fun one. Portland is in Houston. The shorthanded Blazers are catching five points from the uh, not-as-shorthanded Rockets. Sounds like Christian Wood is going to play. He's questionable, but he said he was playing. We'll see how that all shakes out. Uh, This is your early TNT game. Should be a fun one. I think the Rockets are ready to sort of show out here with all their pieces. Normally, I would fade such an occurrence... But they're just, they look good right now. And Portland, man, like this is, I really was hoping the line was going to be three and a half or four. Five is a lot. Now you're getting into that two and a half traditional possession. Still a two possession game, but boy, if it's even remotely close at the end, you really need free throws. And I think this line is actually pretty good on this ball game. Slightly into the Houston side. I think with TNT, they're going to get up. Boogie's been playing well. They just have a lot of firepower right now, at least compared to Portland, which is kind of dame against the world. With the Blazers' side, you're mostly tracking Carmelo Anthony at this point, because I don't think the other guys are going to get over the hump, and he's going to do a bunch. Give him a steady dose of mellow. Houston's side, I want to see how much Boogie and uh, Christian Wood can play together, because after Boogie played as well as he did these last three games, all Houston wins. There's no way they can drive him back down to 15 minutes of ballgame. They just can't do it. And I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. I think what you see is, you know, Wood playing about 28 of his minutes at center and about four at power forward, which gives you the other 20 center minutes for Boogie. And that's enough 
for him. And maybe we get lucky on the boogie side, and they go 26 wood center minutes, and he gets seven or something like that at power forward, and boogie gets the other 22 center minutes. I think that's probably your target. If someone out there is like, oh, they're going to play them together for 15 minutes, yeah, it's not going to happen. That's just too big of a lineup. They can't guard people. But you could definitely play those guys together for three minutes in both halves. Three in the first minute, three in the first half, three in the second half. Give Christian Wood six of his minutes at power forward, such that he plays, whatever I said, 26-ish minutes at center, and Boogie gets the other 22. That's very reasonable. Boogie's not playing 25, 26 minutes. It's just not going to happen when Wood is healthy. But 22 is an attainable target. Lakers are in Detroit off the tough loss in Philly last night, laying nine and a half to a Pistons team that lost in Cleveland last night. This has to be the game Detroit's getting up for, right? They'll wake up for this one. Fantasy-wise, I think with Detroit, you're basically limited now to DeLon Wright, Wayne Ellington, and Jeremy Grant, just the way we all thought it was going to go this year. <laughs> Blake Griffin is completely disinterested. Derrick Rose is doing what he can with what you know what his legs can do these days. And then Plumlee, I don't know. Mason Plumlee seems like he might get run right off the floor in this game, but we'll see. Lakers are pretty big, so they might need him. Heat by four over the uh, trimmed-down L.A. Clippers. Question, I guess, is do the Heat have any energy left? I like them in this game to kind of bounce back from that last one, the first game home against Denver. They just, you know, Denver is clamping down on teams right now. They're playing good ball, and Denver's so good offensively that you can't really run. I think Miami can get out and run a little bit here against the Clippers' reserves. L.A. will be okay, but, man, they just... I think they shot their shot in Atlanta, if I had to guess. I, I think that the Clippers, you see them kind of trend down this week as reserves are asked to play more than usual. Now, give them credit, though. Clippers still have Serge and Kennard, Reggie Jackson, who was a starter for stretches. Lou Williams can score a bit. But you're going to see a lot of guys thrust into roles that they just they're not comfortable with. And on the Miami side, it's just about energy. Are we streaming guys here? If you want. I mean, the Clippers side is pretty easy. Kennard, Reggie Jackson, they showed in the first game in Atlanta without Kawhi, PG, and Pat Beverly that they're going to do enough. The Heat side, I don't, I'm pretty much benching all of these dudes except maybe Bam Adebayo until they show they have energy back. Warriors are in Phoenix. That's the late TNT game. Suns lost to the Thunder yesterday. They looked, I don't know, they looked out of sorts. You know, they're playing slow. Any chance they get Devin Booker back for this one? The line says probably not, but tough to know. Uh, The only reason I would lean to Phoenix, two reasons. The TNT game, I think that, you know, it's a get-up opportunity. DeAndre Ayton. He's, they're probably going to put Draymond on him, if I had to guess, on the other side. I don't think they'll let him push Wiseman around. For the Warriors, their game with Minnesota went pretty damn late last night, and then they had to travel into Phoenix. It's not altitude, so there isn't that element to it, but this is a tougher fatigue spot for the Warriors than it is for the Suns, even though both teams are on the same back-to-back. Phoenix's game yesterday just ended earlier, and they're home, so no travel But the question, of course, is, are the Warriors just playing better than the Suns right now? They kind of are. I wondered with Phoenix if there would be uh, a bit of a letdown from that duet with the Nuggets. And I think that's what you saw yesterday. Even though they were off for a few days, there was just this sort of indifference to the ball game after losing two overtime games to Denver. And this one now kind of feels like the, okay, we got yesterday out of their, out of our system. We were all terrible except Chris Paul. Now it's time to wake up again. They'll lean to Phoenix. Fantasy-wise, nothing really in this ballgame. Hey, guys, check out our buddies over at Manscaped.com as well. We haven't given them the love they deserve this week. Manscaped.com. By the way, thank you to our friends at Manscaped. They are quite generous with goodies for partners so they've sent us more of their stuff they've sent out some colognes to uh hoop ball staffers the 
Lawnmower 3.0. Very cool. I got my shears. They're right here on my desk in front of me. Nice little magnetized carrying case for them as well. Trying to stop me from picking my nails. Thank you, Manscaped, for trying to stop me from picking my nails. The plow. That's the, that's the single blade face razor. If you want to go for a nice tight shave. That's pretty cool, man. That's sleek. Gunmetal gray. I like that. I hadn't seen that one before. That's new. Manscaped.com. Promo code there is HoopBall20. You get 20% off and free shipping on your order at Manscaped.com. Uh, I, want that. I want those boxers, too. Let's see if I can get some Manscaped boxers. Cool stuff. I love it. They, they're a good company. Good product. Really easy to work with. Very friendly. Just good stuff. Manscaped.com. Promo code HoopBall20. 20% off and free shipping over there. Check them out for us. Do me that solid. And, of course, the big solid here as we wrap up the show, and probably I'll hit you with it earlier in the show tomorrow. If you've been enjoying this podcast this season, or any season for that matter, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and drop a five-star review on the show. It would mean the world to me if you write something that's great. I might have an opportunity to read it on air. I often forget once I get going on the show. Uh, but please do take a moment, whatever service you use to listen to this podcast, hit the subscribe button. And if you can rate it, please do drop a five-star review on the podcast. Thank you so much. Appreciate you guys. That's your show. Thursday, all done. Tomorrow, quick... Um, no, there won't be a quick recap tomorrow. Friday is our weekend review. Ads, drops, holds, streamers, buys, sells, and a big weekend preview. That's all coming up on the Friday podcast. We'll try to get that to you guys overnight since I am so childcare on Fridays, which makes things a wee bit complicated. Once again, I am Dan Vesperus at Dan Vesperus on Twitter or just search for Dan from HoopBall and give me a follow. Appreciate that as well. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a HoopBall presentation. Enjoy your Thursday, everybody. Enjoy NBA on TNT games. Home teams. That's where I was leaning tonight as I look at all of this stuff. Hmm. How about that? All right, we'll see how it goes. Toodaloo, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.